Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. But if it's a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourself. I do not want to be a judge of such matters. I love that. God uses this pagan, non-believing Roman leader to protect his missionary in the area. Let me ask you, can God use the pagans? Absolutely. Can God use those that don't know him to still get his will done? Absolutely. Why? Because he is sovereign, because he is omnipotent, because he is all-powerful. He is able to, again, even direct the hearts of men. During the times of the early church, God used even the most hardened sinner to advance the message of the gospel. Even today, the sovereignty of God continues to guide, protect, and move his people into positions of influence all over the world. In our time with Pastor David, we'll hear how God works through the lives of people to continue to advance the gospel message across the face of the earth. Nothing can stop the increase of his kingdom through the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, A Modern Church in Ancient Times. He had shared the hope of the gospel, uh, discussed with them, uh, debated with them uh, there in the synagogue. The synagogue kicked him out. He went over to Justice's house, continued on sharing. Yes, some were coming to Christ, but I believe that the opposition and just the overwhelming oppression of that city, can you imagine the spiritual oppression of a city, of a community, an area like Corinth? You could probably cut it with a knife. It was probably so heavy. And the Lord comes to him and encourages him. And I don't know about you, but I need encouragement every once in a while. I think every one of us need encouragement every once in a while. When we're trying to do the right thing, and probably in your life there's been those times you tried to do the right thing, it seemed like every step that you took toward right, man, there was a push and a push and a push, and and an attack and an attack because you wanted to do the right thing. The same thing is going on here with Paul. And the Lord says, don't be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. He said in verse 10, he says, for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. Now, once you get that promise from the Lord, well, okay, if you're like me, okay, is that really you, Lord? (laughs) I mean, I want to make sure that that's you, Lord. And if that is you, Lord, then okay, Katie, bar the door, full steam ahead. Uh, man, I'm just going to lay it out because, Lord, your word has come to me. I know it's your word. You've encouraged me. You said that no one's going to hurt me. You want me to keep speaking. I want to go forward. I want to continue. And we see that in Paul's life. 
not only here in Corinth, and as he stays there for quite a while, for a year and a half, but we see that in his ministry as he keeps going. Man, and in Paul's life, you know the story of Paul. Man, he's been stoned, he's been jailed, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, all of these things. But because he had that encouragement of the Lord, no, you're doing the right thing, you keep going. He continued to go. He says, you keep going. Don't be afraid. Speak. Don't keep silent. I'm with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. And verse 11 says, and so he stayed there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among you. Then Galileo was proconsul of Achaia. Achaia is the, the region where Corinth is located. It's what we call today Greece in that area. When Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews, with one accord, rose up against Paul, and they brought him to the judgment seat. And they said, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Now, stop for a moment. Uh, do you have a little bit of flashback to the Gospels of how the Jews did the same thing to Jesus and, and brought him up to the Roman authorities, up to Pilate, and said, hey, you know, this guy is uh, causing insurrection, causing us, you know, to, to be drawn away? Well, this is what they're doing here. They, they brought uh, Paul to the Roman proconsul of that area. It says, this guy is persuading men to worship God contrary to our law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth to, again, uh, kind of defend himself, I love how this works. Uh, Galileo, the, the, the proconsul, he says to the Jews, he says, if this was a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, oh, Jews, there, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it's a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourself, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. I love that. God uses this pagan, non-believing Roman leader to protect his missionary in the area. Let me ask you, can God use the pagans? Absolutely. Can God use those that don't know him to still get his will done? Absolutely. Why? Because he is sovereign, because he is omnipotent, because he is all-powerful. He is able to, again, even direct the hearts of men. Well, Galileo, he drove them from his judgment seat, and then all the Greeks, listen to this, all the Greeks then took Sosthenes, the, the new ruler of the synagogue, because remember, Crispus had come to faith in Christ, the other ruler of the synagogue. Now they, they've got a, a new one. They took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him before the judgment seat. But Galileo took no notice of these things. They took their own ruler of their own synagogue, and they beat him, I guess, because he wasn't able to raise up enough of a charge against Paul that Galileo would do anything about it. But they beat him. And the interesting thing is uh, we find that Sosthenes becomes a believer. And later we see him right here with the Apostle Paul. They beat him, and Galileo took no notice in verse 18. So Paul still remained a good while. So it's not like Paul said, okay, my year and a half is up and I'm out of here. No, even after that, he stayed for a good while. Then finally, he took a leave of the brethren, and he sailed for Syria with Priscilla and Aquila were with him. Paul reached Corinth, actually on his second missionary journey. What's happening here in chapter 18 is part of his second missionary journey. They figure that's probably around the time of A.D. 50. A lot of commentators, in trying to determine the age of the apostle Paul, believe that he was very 
possibly about the same age as Jesus, which would have made him about 50 at this point in time. Or if you were with us when we discussed the dating of the B.C.s and the 80s, he would have been about 54 because of the four years change. So that's about the age that he is at this point in time. And so, again, after he's there, he he comes into this conflict. Uh, The response to his preaching was difficult, to say the least. There was so much opposition. And for the most part, the hearts of Paul's listeners, they did not you know, burn with interest to be able to hear the truth that he had. But yet, there were those who listened. And Paul, again, continued teaching, continued preaching. Sometimes, again, like I said, we we read about the Apostle Paul. We read about his uh, tenacity. We read about his boldness. But again, as we shared, there are those times of fear that were there. I don't know about you in your life as, as you... Uh, seek to share your hope and faith. Anybody ever get nervous when you try to share your faith with somebody? I think every one of us do at different times, those kind of odd feelings. And sometimes the Lord just opens a wide door and you just go right in. And other times it's like, well, I believe that that's a normal thing many times. But I also believe that the Lord can give us strength. That's one of the reasons why when we go to share our faith, we need to be praying in the background, praying before and praying during, Okay. Lord, just give me the words, you know, just give me the words. Help me to share the truth of what's going on in my life. And the unfortunate thing is many times I believe that believers try to share their faith through a, uh, uh, through a rote plan or program, through uh, a memorized set of things that, well, I say this, and then if they say that, then I say this, and if they say that, I say that. And then if I say, now wait a minute, which was I? No, I think I was supposed to say, I, I forget what I'm supposed to say at that point in time. How about just sharing, this is what Jesus did for me? You know, the, the old gospel hymn, you know, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. We sang those words even this evening. To be able to share the truth of what happened to you. Do you know the Word of God? Hopefully you do know the Word of God. Hopefully you, as, as a believer, if you've been a believer for a week, you're in the Word of God, and you're hopefully trying to gain some of this into memory so that you can have this. David says, thy word have I hid in my heart in order that I might not sin against you. You know, it's important for you and I as believers to continually be learning the Word of God. And you might say, well, you know, Pastor, I've got an old brain. You know, the gray cells, man, they are few and far between, and, you know, uh, my RAM is like totally overloaded. And, uh, but you know what? You can still memorize the Word of God just as easily as we memorize songs, we memorize phone numbers. Well, some of us still memorize phone numbers. The rest of us just put it on speed dial. You know, you just push the name or the button. But what's important to you you're able to accomplish. And even if it's just a small thing, wouldn't it be cool if you committed before the Lord to memorize just 12 verses this year? It's just 12. That's one a month. You got 30 days to memorize a new verse. How do you do that? By repetition, by saying it out loud by reading it and saying it out loud and by repeating it and putting it on your phone or putting it on your uh, uh, electronics or for some of us taping it on the refrigerator, you'd see it quite often. (laughs) Getting the word in your heart in order that the testimony of your life might be a light in the darkness that every one of us wander into in this world. If we're living today, there's places that we wander into 
that's dark. You go to the grocery store, man. You, you're at the gas station. You're at a restaurant. There's people there that need Jesus. Your next door neighbor, the guy that you work with, your, uh, that relative, whatever it might be, there's people in this community that need Christ. You need to be able to share the hope of the gospel that's within you. In season and out of season, be ready to give reason for the hope that's within you. That's our responsibility. That's not his responsibility. That's our responsibility. To give reason for the hope that's within us. Paul went in. He had to know the word. He wasn't ignorant of the word. He shared the word. He shared uh, the, the scriptures. He discussed these scriptures with those there. He debated, reasoned with them there in the synagogue every Sabbath, it said. Well, that's a whole other message, and we'll get back on this one. Paul probably wrote the letter to Corinth, actually during his third missionary journey. Probably the later part of a stay that he had there in Ephesus and some would put it around 55, about five years after the church had started. So the church is still new, relatively new. But we know also that it seemed to be, as I said before, a very active church, even at that point. And we understand, too, the comments that are are made in Corinthians in chapter 5, that there was probably even an earlier letter that he had written that we don't have. You know, how many books of Corinthians do we have? Well, in our Bibles we have two, but most likely there was actually three because in 1 Corinthians he refers to a letter that he had written to them that is no longer in existence. He said, I, I wrote to you in my other epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Well, which one was that? No, that was in 1 Corinthians. So there's one that we've lost somewhere. Paul wrote these letters particularly this letter, this First Corinthians that we're going to be looking at. He wrote it because he had heard that this new church, this, this new work, this new move of God in this dark community, somehow the actions and the attitudes of a lot of the members of that church, they were destroying the heart and the, the testimony of the church to the world that was around them. Already, Within five years, and probably less than that, depending upon what time that other epistle was written, already the, the, the new life that was in them started to, to emerge again with the old, starting to slide back into the old ways. And so Paul is writing to this church. He, he finds out by, by word of mouth and by, as these others came to visit him, he finds out that the, the church had been abusing each other. They, he found out that they were misusing spiritual gifts. He found out that there was chaos in church order. They, they'd come together as the church and it was absolute chaos. And we're going to be looking at that as we get into Corinthians. And they were even misrepresenting and, and messing up the ordinances of, of baptism and the Lord's Supper. You, and you get to thinking about, okay, everything that they thought that they had together was actually missing in so many ways. They were going through the motions, and they, on one hand, they looked like they ought to be the church, and yet they were missing it. They were missing it so greatly that Paul said, man, you're, you're impacting your witness to the world around you. Beloved, the The church needs to be in the world, but we cannot allow the world to be in the church. You see, we are called to be light in the darkness, not in order for the darkness to overwhelm the light, but that the light might again illuminate the darkness that's around. 
And when the church starts, as the Corinthian church, starts allowing and even in some instances even encouraging or parading certain aspects and attitudes and actions that look more like the world than they look like the body of Christ, then the church is in great, great trouble. And as I was praying about what direction to go, I thought, the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians in particular, what a great word that is for us. For us as a church, this, by the way, this is our 25th year of ministry here. And what a great time to start do an evaluation and kind of an introspect of saying, man, we see on, on a Wednesday night and we've got a full house, man, that humbles my heart. You, you can't believe. Uh, we look at what God is doing within this fellowship and man, we've got, uh, we got a mess of youth back there and some of them says it's a real mess, but we've got a lot of youth out there. We, we've got a bunch of children in the children's ministry, uh, Sunday mornings, uh, this time of year, you know, full house, and how exciting that is and how busy a church can get. But are we doing the right thing? Are our hearts right before the Lord? Are we, as a body of believers, doing really what we ought to be doing? Or if Paul was here, would he be writing a similar letter to us? Well, again, in the book of 1 Corinthians, and you can turn there if you would. That's the introduction, so. But in 1 Corinthians, we find that that particular church, they were very active, very active. They were very actively involved in jealousy and strife, for one thing. A lot of cliques and a lot of camps that were going on. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, down in uh, verse 12, he says, Now I say to each of you, each of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. Paul says, really? Is the church divided? Is that how we are? One of, one of the quickest things that can destroy any church, any church, is when the focus of the church is upon the man rather than on the Lord. Really and truly, and, and, and I'll just be flat out honest with you, I know that a lot of people will go to a church because they enjoy the preaching style or the personality of a particular pastor, but beloved, when that pastor becomes the reason that you're going to church, then you're out of balance. And again, the focus for all of us needs to be on Christ. And that, again, if the truth is being preached from this pulpit, then that ought to be the greatest concern, not the personality, not even the individual, but that the truth would be what's being proclaimed. Apparently there in Corinth, and we'll cover this more when we actually go verse by verse through there, but there was this pride thing. Oh, you were one to the Lord by Apollos. Well, you know, I was, I was, I was one by Paul. You know, Paul shared with me. I, I, I hung out at Paul's Bible study for a while. Oh, really? Well, you know, I'm from Jerusalem, and I sat under Jesus, so there. And so there was this continual kind of a, a one-upmanship that was kind of going on with them. Paul says, hey, the body ought not be divided. 
One of the other things we find out that the church was allowing sexual immorality not only to continue in the church, but it continued without any kind of correction, without any kind of chastening of the guilty parties. Look over in chapter 5. In chapter 5, he says it's, it's actually reported. Now, that you, you've got to catch the, the wording of Paul here. It's kind of like, man, he, he's taken back. I mean, he's like blown away at this point. He says, you know what? It's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you. Such sexual immorality as not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife, in other words, his stepmother, and you're puffed up about it. You, you, you've not rather mourned, and, and he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as though, I'm, though I'm absent in body but present in spirit, I've already judged as though I were present, him who has done this deed. And in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you've gathered together along with my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now there's a lot there that we'll look at when we get there, but you need to understand just the, the absolute appalling uh, 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 understanding that Paul has. Man, I can't believe it. You, you, you guys have this going on? It's not the church that I gave birth to five years ago. Can you imagine the ripping of Paul's heart? As, that, that's what's going on outside your church walls. That's what's going on in the city. That's what's going on with the lost. And yet, now here, you guys have this going on, and you're puffed up about it. Puffed up? Well, yeah, because we preach grace here. We preach grace. And, you know, we're not saved by works. We preach grace. And what? So anything and everything goes? Absolutely not. Absolutely. And Paul draws it to the line. He says, you know what? Next time you guys meet, you better meet in the Spirit. You better know that my Spirit is there with you. And in the name of Jesus, you need to cast that person out of your fellowship. Now, again, he talks about the fact uh, that, you know, we... He's bringing this because this one is saying that he is a member of the body of Christ. He's saying that he's a brother in Christ, and he's living this way openly. And Paul says, no, if you're part of the body of Christ, you don't live that way openly. And if you're living that way openly, then don't declare yourself to be part of the body of Christ. They thought that they were demonstrating grace, but actually what they were doing, they were just simply allowing sin to continue to grow. Some of the others we find over in chapter 6, it seems as though they, they were very possibly uh, partakers of the uh, pagan temple prostitutes, okay? Is that a gentle enough way to put it? He says in chapter 6, verse 15, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that man commits is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Paul is very adamant about this thing. I mean, that kind of lifestyle was rampant in the world around them. I mean, that's what Corinth was all about. I mean, you want a good time, go to Corinth, you know, and nobody will look down on you. You can go and, you know, just be as wild and crazy as, as you want. All the, check your morals at the door because once you enter into the gates of Corinth, they don't matter anymore. 
That's what was going on in the city. And he says, and that's going on in the church? No. Those things shouldn't be. And he drives his home actually over and over again, several places in the book of 1 Corinthians. That's all the time we have for today on The Open Word. We hope today's message has touched you. Pastor David Landry will continue teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians on the next edition of The Open Word. But right now, we'd like to share with you how you can hear more from Pastor David. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings to hear or download past messages. You can also get in contact with us with any questions you might have or let us know how we can be praying for you on your faith journey. You can also connect with us on Facebook. We are thankful you've listened to today's message, but want to make sure that this isn't your only source of spiritual nurturing. We encourage you to find a church family who will help you grow in your walk with God. If you're in the Casa Grande area, we'd love to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Here's Pastor David with more information. Hey, thanks, Chris. I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande for a time of worship and fellowship and studying the Bible. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning and on Wednesday and Saturday evenings at 6.30 p.m. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another edition of The Open Word.